Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Did you miss us? Coming up on the show, Stoke have a new manager and we take a look at the guy taking the reins at the Bet365 Stadium and ask if he's got what it takes to take us back where we belong. Elsewhere, we look at the situation with the playing and coaching staff and dare to dream about next season. Joining me are Chris Brammer. Hello, Dave. And Tom Thrower. Hi, everyone. Oh... That was a long two weeks without a podcast, let me tell you now. So, what's happened while I've been away? Oh, look. Look what's happened. We've got a new manager. <laughs> Everything's going to be brilliant forever. Oh, lads. How how are we feeling just about the last week or so? How, what What's our general state of emotion right now? I I felt... I feel really, really positive and I have no idea why. Um, I just... I feel we've approached this last week quite well, and I'm excited for the possibilities of next season. Now that like all the proper football's done and we can focus on the World Cup, like that means, oh, actually, it's really just one big long pre-season now, and we've got to get everything ready for the next season. So the the lack of Stoke means that I'm excited for Stoke again, which is nice because I hated Stoke by the end of last season. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like the the best times of last season were the international breaks, and now we've got like a three month long international break. So that's why we're all so excited, and the reason we're all so excited is because we're gonna win. We're gonna win the championship with record points, and England are gonna win the World Cup, and everything's gonna be okay. That I think the bank holiday heat is getting to us, but um, it is very very exciting, and there has been for my money, a discernible shift in just the mood and kind of nearly all the fan base, really. There's a overwhelming positivity now with this appointment and with the potential for future signings and additions in the backroom staff and kind of what it means for the club going forward. I think there's just this, perhaps probably misguided, because knowing Stoke, like nothing is ever easy and we can't expect it to be, but the, the whole mood is lifted now. And... That started with the dismissal of Paul Lambert as manager. Um, And I think the response to that was kind of unanimously, yeah, you weren't the man for the job. Thanks for trying anyway. It was a tough job to take on and we like you as a bloke. But what I'm interested in is, would we have sacked him if he didn't kind of force us into it? Because a lot of the reports are saying that it was Paul Lambert inquiring about his future that led to that decision to sack him i mean what what have we made of the way we've handled this kind of postseason i i mean i think just with the with how quick they were to then get in contact with gary rowett and get him in a position means that at least they i think they were at least considering that um even if that's probably not the, the nicest thing to do in terms of just lead paul lambert along whilst also really really think about getting rid of him um, I think I think yeah. If Paul Lambert did force their hand, at least we were prepared to go out and quickly appoint a manager rather than the the weeks of 
who are we going to get like we had when Mark Hughes left? Um, I think there was a lot more planning involved at this stage than there was in January. So I feel sorry for Paul Lambert. Um, but I mean, I reiterate what you're saying, Dave. He he didn't do well. He was he was a lovely bloke, um, but he he shouldn't. He didn't. He wasn't going to stay with us next season. It would have been bad if he had stayed. So I'm glad they did what they did. Um, I'm kind of glad that Paul Lambert is now in a situation where he can go and find work elsewhere, or go to Germany and have a watch some football there because that's what he likes to do, doesn't he? Um, I, I the only my only reservation over this last that that appointment is that yeah we we weren't maybe truthful with Paul Lambert straight up um but I mean even that is just hearsay and who knows the, it could have always been the case that he was going into that meeting and that was the meeting they were going to tell him we we always have his paper rumours for that don't we yeah to put sort of my ruthless capitalist law student hat on. If you've got a break clause in your contract that you agreed to when you first signed it saying either I or my employers can just terminate the contract whenever they want, sort of, well, that's all Stoke have done. So have we really been that mean? I mean, it's probably mean to look at, to, to be doing what we seem to be doing, which was looking at other candidates and being like, right, Paul, if everything goes tits up, we'll just stick with you. But yeah, Lambert just was not good enough, not good enough at all. Um, and whilst I, I, he did sort of install a discipline in the changing room, it wasn't by sort of bringing the team together. It was by going, right, your trouble, piss off, your trouble, piss off. And I don't think that's the kind of attitude you need sort of going into the, the reform we need this season. Right then. So, yeah, they, then they were followed like a few days of speculation. Kike Sanchez Flores's name came back up. Uh, who else was linked in that kind of short period? Big, there was another couple. Big Mick. Big Mick. Big Mick. Big Mick was uh, linked. David Moyes. Uh, Moyes. Pearson. Yeah, I think they see... Yeah. Yeah, Pearson Mo- was. At one point, Moyes was the favourite, I think, and then Sanchez Flores became favourite. And we had that kind of two weeks of the post-use drama just almost repeated. It was the same names coming up, and uh, but just... The, the rumours were really more condensed into a, a short period of time. But it emerged that Gary Rowett was was then favourite and it seemed like we'd got it done quite early on. Then there was like two or three days of like waiting while uh, just admin happened. But we but the longer that goes on, you know, people just start panicking on social media and be like, oh God, we've, we've absolutely Denver barred this where... Oh god, everything's fine, and then just Stoke happens and it all goes wrong. But no, um, I was watching uh, Jungle, a great band, uh, live, and my phone buzzes. It's my dad just texting the word "official," and I checked Twitter. There's there's our Gaz, our lovely Gaz, in a red and white scarf, looking dapper. Um, so what was interesting about that photo when they? Uh, announced it was he stood with Tony Scholes obviously and John Coates rather than Peter Coates are we reading anything into the fact that there was rumours that Peter Coates wanted to keep Paul Lambert and perhaps Gary Rowett was the preferred choice of John Coates are we reading anything into a, a boardroom shift at the club are we reading anything into the gradual loosening of Peter Coates's kind of control of the club yeah um, John Coates is our dad now 
is the short, but it, it really does look like Coates has, uh, John Coates has taken over, uh, which I suppose for me, I'm quite glad about because if, if anything, it looks like the sort of the decisions to give Hughes more time and sort of try and let him prove himself seem to be mostly influenced by Peter and I think if we sort of carried on down that path, we could have ended up in a really, really nasty position. And I don't think the work that Peter Coates has done previously for has sort of deserved to be tarnished by that. So it's it's kind of the exact opposite to Arsene Wenger. He's sort of reached the right time and gone, OK, maybe I do step back now and, and let go of the reins a bit and just sort of maybe occasionally put an arm around John's shoulder and say, oh, maybe maybe we need to think about a different direction here, a different direction there. But he's actually decided to step back and just let someone else have a go. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, and certainly with all the, the the press that's come out of the club, the, the other members of the Coates family have been getting considerable mentions now. It's, it's joint statements, it's... As you say, them appearing on the on pictures rather than than Peter, so it's quite clear that they're they're pushing forward the idea that they're more involved in the club to fans. Um, so you would think that that suggests a, a shift in the back room uh, towards something new, and that's kind of a good thing because it means that this whole idea of rejuvenation that um, that is getting banded around a rejuvenated Stoke side under a new young manager with a new younger board, um, but with ties still to the tradition of older Stoke. And I think that's that's a good thing. That's what we need. And um, it, I think all of it means that I feel quite positive for some yeah. reason. Yeah, it's a, it's a evolution rather than revolution, isn't it? We're not, you know... Being bought out by Red Bull and installing uh, a, a fancy foreign manager who we haven't heard of uh, in the in the side because that would make a lot of people very nervous. It make a lot of people very excited, but it's it's giving that fresh sense of optimism without um, completely ripping up the rule book, I suppose. Um, of course, uh, another man sort of linked, sort of kind of dreamed of was uh, Graham Potter who I think is maybe go to Swansea now although that deal seems to be taking an awful lot of time uh, but Potter I think his kind of lack of experience in English football will be the strike against him really and it'll be interesting to see if he goes to Swansea how well he does because he's definitely got a real future in the game but we're not going to talk about Graham Potter we're going to talk about Gary Bloody Rowett um, so Gary Rowett, former manager of Burton Albion, Birmingham City, Derby County, and now Stoke City manager. Chris, what have you made of his career so far? Like, uh, young, exciting, perhaps not the most glittering CV, but a lot to be positive about in there. What What are your initial thoughts about Gary Rowett? Um, well, I think that he's a manager who's on an upward trajectory I think if you view a manager's career over their well their period of time and he is certainly someone who is on the rise rather than someone who is um, on the decline which I think a Moyes or someone would have been um, I think that he's is a growing reputation and certainly last year was the probably the height of his reputation so far um, 
but that's not to overstate the jobs that he's done elsewhere. Um, yeah, I, I really, from from what I've seen so far, I really, really like the guy. I think that he's said all the right things in his interviews. Um, and as I said in, in the last bit, I think that it, it is what we need. I don't think us going for one of the same old faces that you see in English football would have been would have been helpful we needed to go for someone who was bringing in a fresh perspective and the fact that again he is a a young manager who is on the up in his career is a good thing he wants to progress his career he wants to progress his career um with us and that's to me a, a real positive thing um i know that last season for some fans he will have that the the blip that is derby being in second and then getting knocked out in the playoffs um but again i mean he's not even been managing for a, for 10 years it's he, he there are there are things that he's still going to pick up and learn and i'm glad that he's had this blip with derby rather than us and that's something to learn from mm. for the future um I, I i like him i like him what about you tom yeah i, I think um the, the true thing that sort of speaks to me is looking at what's happened after he's left clubs because Burton, he seemed to give them that first promotion and he'd worked and managed to create a group of players who Hasselbank came in and just sort of could pick on and carry on the work. He provided that bedrock, whereas at Birmingham, he sort of had really quite difficult circumstances to be working in and yet got them together, got them in the top half, got them pushing for promotion the next season. And suddenly he goes and Zola comes in and tries to install this new style of football and it just all goes to crap. Everything falls apart. I think that's what I like about Rauer. He seems very focused on um, just getting the best out of the team that he can, can use. And I think Derby, the whole promotion blip thing, is more speaks to sort of what went on that was outside of Rowett's control as in sort of their lack of financial resources to, to just throw a, a few players. I mean, if you look at Wolves and Fulham who got a Fobian um, Mitrovic in, in January and sort of had that extra depth in the squad to then push on, Derby never really had that. Derby was sort of still using the same squad they've been using all season, apart from Super Cameron Jerome. But I, I mean... I, Cameron Jerome versus uh, Mitrovic or Benikafobi. I, I think there's, there's there's two winners there and one certainly not winner. So I, I'm yeah I'm just so bloody excited to see what Raul gives us over the course of a season. Yeah, I mean his job at Birmingham. I was speaking to a a Birmingham City fan on holiday who who raves about him and the, the work he did there. Um, there's also a great piece on the When Saturday Comes website. Uh, which was written in the wake of his uh, ludicrous sacking and move, and Birmingham City move for Jim Franco Zola, and that kind of stunned everyone. Everyone who wasn't really paying attention to Birmingham and the Birmingham City fans themselves were all kind of just completely mystified by the whole situation. But uh, this this was quite interesting for me. He inherited an almighty mess from Lee Clark and swiftly restored order. A side that had lost 8-0 at home to Bournemouth in the match before his appointment were able to grind out a uh, goalless draw away to Wolverhampton Wanderers a week later. In stark contrast to his chaotic predecessor, Rout had a clear plan and presented himself with measured self-assurance. 
We'd climb to 10th by the end of the season and start the next season with the same sturdy defence and potent counter-attacking threat. Uh, but then later in the article, there's these kind of measured criticisms of Rowett. He's, he, the, this article, by and large, is massively pro-Rowett. But there's a, there's a couple of criticisms in here and a couple from Derby fans since the decision to, for him to go to Stoke was made that his style of play isn't very exciting and also he can have his head turned. And I was, I'll start with the style of play issue as well because I know, Tom, you've taken a look at kind of Derby's tactics and Derby's you know, form since Rowett took over. Do you think it's fair to say that Derby are a kind of negative or one-dimensional side? No, I think it's actually a, a bit ludicrous. Um, literally just from sitting and watching in games, I think a few days ago I was watching their last game of the season where they hammered Barnsley 4-1. And just this whole criticism of, of long balls and stuff, I mean, in, stats-wise, Derby are nowhere near um, playing the same amount of long balls as sort of like a Cardiff or someone or even ourselves this season in the Premier League. Um, and he seems to he, he likes counter-attacking teams and obviously counter-attack is, is the first thing you need to have for that to happen is, is a solid defence to um, move away from but I just I think they've scored um, 84-85 goals since Rowett was appointed in sort of uh, just over uh, eight, just under 18 months I mean that's ridiculous to be sort of moaning about it just totally reeks of um, like bitterness from Derby fans for me. I just think they're sort of if Rower had turned us down again, they wouldn't be saying any of these things. They wouldn't be complaining about the fact that he turned us down. It's just all sour grapes. Mm. And Chris, you mentioned earlier about how they've their form in their second half of last season. It kind of fell fell away a bit, kind of almost in conjunction with his new contract. What I'm interested in is the fact that, yes, their form did fall off a cliff, but is this just inherently what Derby County do? Because Derby County have done this for a while, looked set for promotion, looked set for the playoffs, and then completely fall away. Or do you think... that is there anything in either his style of play or his kind of results that gives you cause for concern? Um... I mean, the only thing out of that that would give me a small cause for concern is, yes, that is what Derby do. Derby fall apart. And the fact that he was unable to push them onto a path where they don't fall apart, um, that's that that would be, I suppose, a criticism. I mean, I did watch them in their absolute hammering by Sunderland, uh, and that wasn't exactly pleasant to watch. Um, but I think... Uh, I mean, Derby is... Derby, isn't it? That is that is kind of what they do. And again, as I said, he's still young in his career. He's still learning from things. No doubt there'll be things that he now looks back on in that period thinking actually we should have done things a little bit differently. And I think all the shouts of his oh, you know, oh, his playing style, it's so, it can be negative. I think he is first and foremost a pragmatist in the sense that he will play the best way he feels a team should play, depending on the team. So whilst it's uh, traditionally he's played what a, a counter-attacking style, you have to think that this is probably the best squad that he'll work with, with the best budget. 
so you can't you can't safely say that he's going to try and play a same long ball negative football. I mean, I'll be honest, if he plays more direct football and we are winning games and we're going to get promoted, I'm not really bothered. To me, attractive football is winning football more than anything. Um, but I think, I, as I say, I think there's going to be a lot. It's different, isn't it, Stoke? Because he's got a bigger budget to work with than he's ever had to work with before. I know Derby had a bit of money last season, but it's not going to be anything in comparison to what Stoke are going to want to throw at it to get back up the league. And as well, if reports in the mirror are to be believed, we want to get, uh, get what, 15 players out the door? It's There's a lot of work to do, and you do feel that it's not like this is an underdog team in the Championship who are vying for promotion or whatever like Birmingham or keeping up like Burton or whatever this is a team who want to be automatically promoted and so whilst the pressure is higher on Gary Rowett but um, I also think that this is the best job he's had but I am yeah, biased I was... aren't I so <laughs> yeah um, absolutely I mean I've read a couple of opinions to the contrary but it seems as though We've got money to spend and we're willing to back the manager significantly. I mean, given the fact we've had 10 years in the Premier League and Peter Coates is loaded, I think there's definite argument for us to 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 be favourites now. And but, 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 I, even in, I, I, but I was going to say, but even in the fact that we are putting out the noise that we want to keep key players, we want to keep Joe Allen, Like that is showing some form of um, commitment to wanting to go back up rather than we're going to have a fire sale we'll try our best like we are putting all the right noises out there to go back up yeah and uh, I, w- I was going to say like he'll not have had this kind of amount of money before his biggest signing at Derby I believe was Tom Lawrence for five and a half million pounds um, I was look- I was reviewing Derby signings uh, last season and he likes to have that core of experience in there uh, already. So he signed Tom Huddleston, he signed Curtis Davis, and he signed Cameron Jerome in January. So he likes his experienced pros with maybe uh, a Matej Vidra type or a Tom Lawrence type who are exciting, creative players on top of that. So he, he tr- likes to find that balance in the squad, which is very encouraging. Um what I also want to talk about is another thing that's got a lot of Stoke fans excited is the backroom staff situation because for a side that have just really struggled to score goals and looked so helpless up front last season, uh, the thought of Kevin Phillips as the uh, one of the guys on his bench is, is bloody tremendous, isn't it? I mean, Tom, you looked at kind of the, the stats behind Derby's goal scoring Um you know, prowess last season. Like, do you reckon that's down to a guy like Kevin Phillips in the backroom staff? Yeah, Derby, Derby shooting this last season, whatever, uh, was shit hot. It was so good. Sort of, whenever they're getting shots in the box, they're the best in the league at scoring them. And when they're on target as well, they're normally going in. So, obviously, you can't put all of that down to Kevin Phillips alone, but you've got to imagine that sort of. 
a coach, especially someone like him who's such an experienced striker in his career, is maybe saying things like, oh, well, when you're in this position, maybe think about hitting it at, at this corner or that corner rather than sort of just go in with what your instinct tells you to do. And he's, he's t- talked a lot about sort of co- talking about movement and where to run and when to run. And I think that's something that's just really encouraging because I think we've just, especially under Hughes, it seemed to be, right, let's just throw money at a striker. Let's get Juf on a big contract and just let's hope he can work. Oh, he's worked for a season, right, okay. Now let's go and get Bonnie and just sort of, well, he's a striker, so maybe he'll score goals. Oh, Berahino, he scored once. Yeah, let's see what happens there. There was never like a, right, you're coming in to play this specific role as this specific striker, which seems to be the entire sort of opposite approach to both Rauer and um, and Phillips, who seem to want to have that target man. He's a bit more mobile than like Peter Crouch, so it was Cameron Jerome or um, Nugent with that like aggressive number 10 who isn't really a creative number 10. He's more of like a, a second striker who's just who's just there to tap the ball away, which Vidra did all season. So yeah, for a side who've barely been able to have strikers scoring goals, the thought of Kevin Phillips as our assistant manager is extremely exciting. And of course, uh, another potential exciting appointment is Rory Delap coming home. I mean, Chris. I mean, it just gets the romantic in you, just properly excited, doesn't it? Because there's, I, I can't see a, a bad thing about Delap being a being a part of the backroom staff. I can't see any negative at all. <laughs> me, me neither. Me neither. And as you say, it's just that that massive positive vibe around the club and getting everyone united behind things and getting a good feeling amongst the place it's he he knows the club well and um oh, it'd be lovely to see him mm. back at the at the no not the brit the bet 365 yeah and i think it's it's more than just kind of having that 2008 nostalgia and just wanting to a point people we know and you know know where the sugar for the tea's kept in the kitchen i think it's D- delap's also he's an intelligent guy and he's an ambitious guy and i think we we may have perhaps needed to persuade him more than the fact that he's he loves the club and whatever because when you watched him as a player he he was so, we've talked about this on the podcast before he was so much more than long throw he was a really intelligent guy he and he was also a really great bloke as well for, for all his off the pitch stuff so having that personality and that ambition at the club is exactly what we want and yeah I don't think it's been officially announced yet but everyone seems pretty hopeful that Delap can come back in some capacity whether that's with the under 23s or just in the general coaching role that's that's just something to oh Rory on the bench in a Stoke tracksuit and it's Brilliant. a it's a, bit of have... a, it's a bit of an insurance policy having people like Delap and Phillips who don't really see themselves as wanting to be an assistant manager or a under twenty threes manager for the rest of their career. They they genuinely have aspirations to manage at the top level. And okay, let's let's accept the argument that Gary Rowett might have his head turned in two or three years. If you've got that if that happens and he goes off to some bigger side than Stoke or takes a side step, whatever, and you've got Kevin Phillips going, all right, I know this club, I've been doing this for two years, I'll have the reins now. And then further on down the line than that, you have the lap step into that role. It's just, 
we're going to create a dynasty and we're going to win everything <laughs> even the world cup <laughs> yes lovely now um is not the best thing about this whole appointment the fact that we've been in the championship for two weeks and we've just boiled everyone's piss right <laughs> up. I mean, just got we've just gone in there and taken a top six sides manager for for two point two million. Now, first of all, I'm kind of interested in the whole kind of signing of other managers and the fact that such an integral part of the whole operation can be signed for two point two million, which is what a club like us spends on a backup centre half. You know. And I'm I'm interested in is that the way football's gonna be going now? Is Jurgen Klopp gonna be signed by Real Madrid for eighty million? Well maybe not after last night, but you know what I mean. Um and that's that's a separate point, but I just love the fact that we've just kind of announced ourselves as a as a big dog, a, a big fish in a small pond because we've kind of meekly accepted relegation for the past season. We've been kind of whimpering in a corner and now we've and now we're making ourselves known and a lot of teams are gonna want to beat us we're going to be a big fixture for a lot of teams now and there's a lot of clubs in the midlands in this league there's not a lot of clubs in the northwest where these games will be fierce and we're gonna need to um seriously step up um on that subject then the transfer market is open there's been some Rumours about players in, rumours about players out. Uh, first of all, what are your initial feelings on kind of the extent of the of the squad that will be shipped out? How big will this change be, do you think? Get the guillotine out. Well, we'll just get rid of all of them. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think sort of there's numbers of like 15, 16 players getting batted around, which I think is sort of... Slightly inaccurate because you've got um, a lot of Stoke players who are out of contract at the end of the year or quite a lot of our squad is made up of loans so far this season. Um, so like Johnson's going, etc, etc. And that I can't see sort of Gary Rowett stepping in and being like, oh no, actually, I'd like to give Glenn Johnson a new contract. Um but yeah, I, I do think we need an overhaul. You can't be, we can't really sit here going, oh well, there's some big problems in the squad. Oh well, we'll just get rid of Hesse. Yeah, that'll fix everything. Get rid of the one who wears the Batman caps, and that'll be fine. I honestly think there's, <laughs> there's deeper problems there. So yeah, get as many out as possible. Uh, and Kevin Vimmer is. Uh, the first of those names who appears to be on his way uh, he's apparently in Hanover like sorting out a deal to Hanover 96 I mean what have Hanover done wrong there I mean that's pretty pretty awful for them isn't it poor poor guys and uh, the Daily Record reporting today that Charlie Adam might face the axe which will obviously be oh what a shame devast- it'll be devastating for me personally because you know I've been a massive Charlie Adam fan for some time mm. um, yeah obviously Hesse is I- back in Gotham City uh, <laughs> all the I- rumours have linked to a uh, Chupo moting but there's been kind of uh, what has reassured me a bit is I think that back four is going to stay. There's, there was sort of a bit of Turkish talk about uh, Moritz Bauer being offered to someone, but I I can't envisage it. 
envisage Shawcross going. And I'm hopeful of Bruno Martin's Indy staying as well. So this, you know, he's got a solid back four, probably one of the best in the championship right away. And what a basis that would be to, to build on. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think the main thing for me is that we keep that solid back four. I'm presuming that Butland goes, so we we only really need to look in um, in goalkeeping for, for a replacement there. But in terms of a rotation option, it will be nice to see the likes of Tom Edwards, Josh Tymon and that playing, hopefully getting game time next season. Um, I don't know if we, we are in need of other centre-backs because I'm, I'm presuming Jeff Cameron is one of the ones who will go. And I think that's my, my main, not a fear, but if, if so many players are to go, it, I, I, I'm interested to see who we will be getting in as a replacement. Uh, because I do hope that whilst I'm sure we will go for some experienced players, it would be nice to go for younger talent who have the potential to grow should we be successful in going up we then don't need to do a whole rebuilding job to stay in the Premier League it would be nice to invest now progress and have a good solid team there for a good few years and even like from a negative point of view on that if you're investing in like young people so we've been linked with Tom Pearson from Preston if you're investing in those and you're developing them as players if it doesn't quite work out and we do get stuck down here for a bit we aren't going to be in the positions Derby and Aston Villa are now where they are in a really sticky financial fair play situation because it seems that the football league are the only people who take financial fair play seriously and will throw out transfer embargoes and keep you in the championship for as long as they like and if you've got those young players you can then go right okay we've had our two years three years of trying to get up whatever it is We've now got all these players who are probably Premier League ready. Ship them off to the Premier League for all that money. And in theory, that keeps all the financial fair play stuff in order. So I think that's the route we've got to pursue. And then that does tie in as well, though, to the positivity around the backroom staff. Because bloody hell, it feels like we're bringing in people who can coach players, who can coach them to progress. And so if we invest in good players who have potential, then yeah, they will either hopefully progress for us and when we go up they'll be there for us or god if the worst was to happen and god forbid i i don't want that to happen but they are able to be sold on Mm. we're not we're not going to stay in the division we're going to win it with a record points (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i mean you you do want to your instinct is to caveat all this brilliant Positive conversation, like, oh, Rowett's really exciting appointment. We're going to have loads of money to spend at people. A lot of good players are going to stay. We're going to get rid of the bad players. The backroom staff's going to be brilliant. The oatcakes will taste nicer. You know, <laughs> all, all that stuff. Oh, they, we've got to enjoy the championship more because we'll actually turn up to games hopeful of a win for a change. And you've got to caveat it all with, this is Stoke. <laughs> and since we've been doing this podcast, you know, Stoke have been very Stoke a lot of the time. And uh, what I kind of want to see now is the last appointment was a, was a firefighting job that was just too big for, for the bloke to deal with. And that's that happens in football. Managers get sacked and you do get these guys who supposedly come in for a while and 
are experts in a short-term situation. Whilst there will be many people hoping for an immediate return, we've also got to kind of think of a longer-term strategy. We need to think, what happens if we don't go up one, maybe two, three even seasons in the Championship? Because we've said on this podcast before, the Championship is a bitch of a league. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Cardiff City do not have, I'd say... The, one of the top two squads in the championship last season, but they've gone up because they had a really good plan, they had a really good manager, and everything just clicked for them. Even when we got promoted in 2008, our squad was not, I think, one of the best. We just had a manager who got us playing and had time to kind of grow that team into what he wanted, and he had a bit of money as well, spending half a million quid on a Shola Amiobi loan deal, you know. So sometimes the the best squad, the best manager, the biggest club doesn't always go up and you've got to kind of be patient. So I'm 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 appealing for calm at the same time I'm getting carried away. So it's a weird kind of situation to be in. Um we've kind of almost decided got decided now uh, all the clubs we will be playing in the championship next season. Uh, there's only the League One playoff final, which is on now. I believe Rotherhamore are 1-0 up at the moment. And uh, Chris, you, you must be pretty happy about that. Because... Really, I'm really chuffed. I really want them to keep winning. Uh, uh, please, Shrewsbury, don't don't score anything. Because mm. it's like, I can get there in 10 minutes. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we've got, we've got 23 out of, uh, 22 out of 23 teams decided in and there there's a lot of crap in there there's a but there's also quite a few clubs who with the right kind of uh, manager or resources or just sheer momentum could surprise you I mean Blackburn I I can't really predict what they're going to do who knows maybe Frank Lampard's Derby County start doing something Middlesbrough under Pulis will be a horrible place to go I imagine and and there, there are certain clubs there you look at and think oh that that could be a tasty fixture as well so um <laughs> God, oh, it's bloody exciting! Um, so we'll uh, we'll take it back down to earth with some uh, criticism of the club, certainly from my end. <laughs> what, what's the point? What's the point of arranging a fucking friendly against Wolves? What is the point of that? <laughs> yeah, I haven't got a clue. I can't even tell you one positive about this friendly. Like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you give them the opportunity to rub it in our faces that they've replaced us? And that they've got Champions League level players? And why? Why Stoke? It's not nice. I don't want to go to that friendly. Like, oh, if anything was to reiterate the fact that we went down this season. Did you did you forget everyone? Here, we're going to play Wolves, who've suddenly overtaken us. And Here's what a MVP. Premier League club looks like. Exactly. And, oh, don't just don't you just dream of being Wolves? Oh, one day, I'd love to be like Wolves, me. Oh, they've, those glittering stars. Oh, I, to be fair, I would like Wolves is um, uh, media staff, because they make some lovely programmes. Although we're in the championship, that means we might not even have programmes. Oh, bloody hell, Dave. This is a disaster. <laughs> what are the programmes these days? Dude, oh my god. Oh no. You don't but need no, a programme these days. 
oh, we want a digital app version for the yeah. Stoke City app that keeps crashing and won't let me log in to watch the Gary Rowett interview. <laughs> I had to do it on a computer, on a desktop of all things. Bloody hell, Stoke. Oh, it's great being back to negative. This is great. <laughs> Row it out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't know why. Why would you... I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to invite wolves over for a bit? It's not. It's not nice. Mm. Just leave um, them alone. The rest of our pre-season is uh, kind of yet to be decided, although Union Berlin seem to think we're playing them. Uh, <laughs> nothing from Stoke on that on that front there. Wouldn't that be awkward for Union Berlin if they... It's, play, it's somewhere in the German countryside. If they're like, oh, they haven't, are they running a bit late? And we're just <laughs> not there. It's becoming a tradition now, isn't it? To just have German teams announcing their players for pre-season. <laughs> Do you think we'll we'll visit St. Pauli this season or they'll come to us or anything? I, I hope so. I mean, it, we are technically still partners, aren't we? And we gave them Thibaut Verlinden on loan, who didn't do anything. So, um, I mean, they might not like us after we sang Delilah that time and it might uh, ruffle a few feathers, but... Yeah, I, I'm always up well, for going to Hamburg. But they were—I mean, you know—the big selling point for them last year was, well, we can all, we can for, we can forgive that you're owned by a gambling company. We can forgive your um, Brexit fans because you're a Premier League team, and that's good for us. Ah, <laughs> uh, got, got some news for you. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, so badly. <laughs> um. In other kind of rumours, murmurings, uh, Matej Vidra is uh, being linked with Stoke. Uh, Oh, you were saying before, Tom, about uh, Derby's potency in front of goal last season. Vidra, that had just beat... Oh, can you imagine him and Bojan playing in the same team? (laughs) No, I can't. Just to oh. murder that dream while it exists. Oh. The the playing the, if if Rowett carries on playing how he's played sort of for most of his career, they will be playing in the same position. So don't build that up. Don't let it in. You'll just get hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no. Yeah, Vidra. Oh my God, someone who loves goals. <laughs> I like <Hey>. goals. <laughs> goals are good. We should do them more. <sighs> We really should. It'd be nice. Uh, and and win games. That'd be nice. Score goals, win games. That is that is the Wizards' philosophy. John Dykes, how could he realistically improve players like Bauer, Allen and Peters that might stay? So can Gary Rowett get more out of some of our more promising talents? Well, he can play Bauer at right back for a start. Um <laughs> And yeah, just give them <laughs> tactics, give them roles in the team. Tell Joe Allen he's not allowed to leave the cage. No, don't go down <laughs> that route, Tom. Don't do not do that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how managers make players better. I don't have any coaching badges. Sorry, that was really oh. um, uh, oh. confrontational. <laughs> that was very but, angry. But you talk about XG you... and stuff, Tom. So I, I, I was... <laughs> yeah. Is everything okay, Tom? Oh, yeah. I, Are you all right? Yeah. Had you down for a football intellectual. Tafer Norse asks, I'm struggling <laughs> to get on board with the Rowett hype train. Have we just swapped our mercenary player problem for a mercenary manager problem? So, yeah, no. this is 
Go on, go on, Chris. I don't. I don't think we have really. I think that um, that's the, the the suggestion is then that Gary Rowett, as soon as another bigger club comes along, he'll move. And in one respect, that is the nature of football, isn't it? But for for him to move on, he's got to be a success with us. Like in terms of the championship, there's not a, another team above us who's going to take him. And I do think that there isn't going to be a Premier League club in what the next six months or whenever who's going to look at him and be like, oh yeah, we should take him off Stoke. He has to do a good job with us here. He has to take us up for other clubs in in the, that level above to consider him. And I mean. If if it comes to a point where he's got us up and he's been a success with us and a team above us is looking at him, as much as that will probably pain me at the time, that is just the nature of football. But I don't think we are in danger in the, what, the next year. Oh, God, quote me when he goes to West Ham. But <laughs> I, I don't think we're in danger of him going. Um, oh, I don't think on. it's even a case he's a mercenary manager. I think it's just he wants to have the best career and... I, I couldn't fault an out of it for wanting that. I can't fault Gary Rowett for wanting that. Yeah, I mean, Rowett went from... I'm going to get this wrong, aren't I? Were Derby in League 1 or League 2 Burton, when he left them? Burton. Burton were in Burton, League yeah, sorry. 2. And I think he handed the reins over to Hasselbank, who took them on. Yeah, so he's gone from League 2 to the Championship, which sort of any right-minded person wanting to push their career on would do. So I don't think he can criticise him for being mercenary there. And then he was sacked at Birmingham. And then at Derby, he's left because he's going to have to sell all of his good players. So I, I don't sort of... I, I don't get why that makes him a mercenary, if anything. Mm. I, I, I don't understand the argument, really, because I think it's, again, sort of that sourness from yeah. other fans. And yeah, he's a young, promising manager. He's always going to have, or appear to have mm. had his head turned. And we probably need to accept that. If if we were getting a committed manager who was a clear, proven success in the Championship, I'd be a bit concerned as to like the bribery and corruption that had took us <laughs> to the point to get him there because they just don't mm. exist. Uh, final question then from Rupert Goff. On a, str- on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how dreamy is Rowett? I mean, he's not 52. 52. 52. I, I mean, I don't 52. think he's quite as dreamy as Kike uh, Sanchez Flores was. But, you know, it's not all about looks, for God's sake. Stop being so vain. <laughs> Bloody <laughs> vacuous Stoke fans, eh? I'm saying 42. Um, thank you for listening to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Uh, appreciate it's been a, a while. It's only been two weeks. Get over it. Um, (laughs) But we will be back next season, hopefully bigger, better, more coherent on kind of the podcast. And we want to do uh, more on the website as well. So if you are at all interested in having a drivelly chat with us, by all means, get in touch. We're always after more voices on the podcast. Not that I don't like you two, but, you know, it helps to freshen the squad up every now and again. So... Uh, if you want to come on the pod, get in touch with us. If you want to write for the website, we definitely want to be doing more with the website next season. So, uh, by all means, send us any any Stoke ramblings you want, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch with you. So, uh, over the summer, 
we don't really know what we're doing. We're hopefully going to uh, be lining up some some great shows, hopefully some championship previews with other teams' fans and um, the guys from Not The Top 20 podcast have said they'll come on as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And there's episode 100 coming up. Again, yeah. I haven't decided what we're going to do for that. If anything at all, we might just let it pass by as if it's not really a milestone at all. So that would be pretty exciting. Just go from 99 to 101. Like, not even do an episode 100. Oh, that is tempting. That is really tempting just to take the, the pressure off the and, occasion. But, but then we just we just refer to episode 100 and everyone gets confused. It's like, have I missed it? And actually, we just haven't done it. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and also, uh, coming up on the pod, uh, not this pod, coming up in a future episode, we'll, we will have spoken to Pottermouth about being a Stoke fan, about radio about podcasts about Andy and his dumper truck and all that that'll be a great <laughs> chat so uh, by all means stick around for that and if you want to help support us next season we don't get any sponsorship money we don't get any any backers or anything like that so if you want to chuck us in one dollar on Patreon and then we can then afford to go to away games and stuff we can afford to go and meet up with players for interviews and and hopefully produce a better quality of podcast next season that you will actually want to listen to rather than feel like you're doing so out of a depressed necessity so uh if you want to do that support the podcast the patreon page is still open uh we don't currently have plans to put patreon only content up because it takes so bloody long and I really wanted just to bash my head against a brick wall last season so uh, by all means uh, if you want to patreon.com forward slash wizards of drivel everything else is wizards of drivel.com instagram facebook twitter all that business and if you want to leave an itunes review yeah do that as well uh, we will <laughs> see you very very soon thank you very much Chris thank you Dave thank you Tom Thanks, everyone. Gary Rowitz, Red and White Army, go on Stoke. <laughs>